Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Station 19 in Grey's Anatomy after show. I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. Now you have a lot of social topics to go over. And a lot of comebacks and a lot of leave-ins. Like y'all know. Like y'all know. So let's start off with Station 19. Okay, so... Vit and Travis still in a fight. Okay, Trav- we got some flashbacks of Travis's husband and best friend. I think it's Rodriguez. And we got to see them grow, basically grow up together in the fire academy. And apparently that was his house first. They were roommates and then we saw a proposal when they got married. And how he got promoted and unfortunately how he died and how the news came down. I actually want to hear the entire situation. Was it actually his fault? Was it entirely his fault that his husband died? I don't think so. Huh? I admit he probably got promoted very high, but I don't think he would have gotten promoted if he was careless. And we recognize that Travis hasn't moved on this entire time, which was one of the reasons he didn't like Emmett. Well, he couldn't like Emmett, which is why he likes Emmett now, because he's officially moving on. He's moving out Michael's stuff, or he's moving them at least until one place. He's letting go Because he even had one little fight with Vic about how she was able to move on from Ripley so fast. And that was because she dealt with it in a healthy way. Once she got out all her feelings and cried and be miserable for as long as she needed to, she was fine. She got it all out and she eventually worked herself back up and she was herself. She still misses him, but that is what it is. She worked it all out. It's much better to get all your feelings out. Just feel everything you want to feel when your emotions are on high and something terrible happens. Like like I said, why I stopped my podcast because my grandmother died. I do the same thing with Victor. And you still have your moments of sadness or remembrance, but it's much better once you get everything out in the open at once. Or at least for as long as you feel like you need to get it out for. Let allow yourself to leave so you can allow yourself to move on. Yeah. So, I mean, like, even Travis saying maybe he's addicted to pain, which is why he hung on to his husband and his grief all this time, not realizing that he actually did. And apparently his father came to the station in these episodes and it was it was a doozy. Like he, he came and apparently he almost got his mother sick because you know he'd been around people who was frenzy. And I put that in air quotes. So who got on my last nurse this episode? That's my segment. That is Travis's daddy. He get on my lot, damn nerves. I feel like if you can be stepping out in nonsense, at the very least, you could be safe about it. I mean, it's not like you have, you could, you need, you shouldn't have the nerve to look yourself in the eye no more. Like, you shouldn't. Like, your secret out on the floor. Like, you're just sitting there. My boy should feel pity for you right now. Get him on my last out, nurse. Make his life go through hell. Because you go on to the exact same thing and you don't know how to deal with it. But he deal with it better. 
and then we have Jack and my his basically mother surrogate mother grandmother to his little family in the hospital and the son who never sees her but has um power of attorney decided to take her off the vent although we begging for him to not and she has to get taken off the vent and he didn't even have the nerve to stay and watch her go out I was so mad I was like you have the nerve to make this decision but you don't have the nerve to actually watch it go through I mean why you don't just watch the whole thing you made this decision this is what you decided to do hmm? this is what you decided to do that's, that's another person who got on my nerves who got on my nerves grandma's son like what a sick Oh, well, my girl name is I can't remember. I think it's that with M. <sighs> but she's a kid. She's a kicking. She keep. She's a ticking. She keep on ticking. Oh, kicking. Keep on. Takes a lick and keep on ticking. That's what it is. Cause she come back right when she was about to die, and she was like, "No son, I'm leaving my family that I just come back to. My son may not want me in family, but I got three other people." Um, who I can live out the rest of my days with in a proper way. I important to them now. I can't go nowhere. She even have an official tiny grandson. So yeah, she ain't going no damn nowhere. Yes, that was when she opened up her eyes and they did that little thing outside the window with the ladder because they couldn't get permission to go inside because they wasn't her immediate family. I hope after this situation happens, she writes down a little power of attorney and put Jack and them in charge, not her son. I really hope so. They got that straightened out. She's a grandma. All kind of things could happen. You need to fix that, fix that house, and in a hurry. Because that son ain't no damn use. On my last damn nerves. My last damn nerves. And then we have. So Maya allows Jack to, you know, let the kids see the grandma because he was acting out because he was afraid Jack was going to die on the job. Which he finally got to sit down and understand about through one of his colleagues. Who was it? I think it was Rodriguez. Because I like how they both kind of responsible for someone dying, but it wasn't exactly all of their fault. So they're kind of buddies in arms. So they like each other. And so he told him that his father was a firefighter and how he felt about it. Now we just wanted his father to tell him that everything's going to be fine or show him that I know everything about my job. Let him look around the fires, let him look at the people who hold in his back. Or protecting his back and get some reassurance and then Maya helped them use the ladder to look at my girl through the window as she you know faded out but then she came back to us with a fiery vengeance I was very happy I was very happy Mama M until I remember her name all right next oh Charles also called Vic um, selfish as well, because she also moved on from Ripley. I mean, like, Trevor was really getting on my nerves. I understand why he was so pissy mad and throwing out these words at Vic because of the whole Rodriguez thing. But, dude, I did not like you this episode. I did not. I'm sorry. Anyway, next we have 
pandemic delays uh, the surgeries that come before like right after like once you really have corona and you don't get over it all the stuff that happens to your body like a storm just going through and there's all the havoc and wreck that it's left behind which means even if you go even if you um get get over corona unfortunately then i can help you with the casualties that you love and Unfortunately, that's very real. Anti-grazing on means Vision 19, the casualties. Heart defects. You can see that on Chicago PD, PD too. I mean, Chicago Med too. <sighs> well, delays and surgeries because you didn't want to get the coronavirus, which ex exasperates certain diseases even worse, which means you can't even cure the disease that you could have cured before corona. Why? Because you had to wait too long. Karina is wants to leave to go to Italy so she can help her country because they are in a very low doctor supply and she feels like it's calling her home. Like she needs to go there, she needs to help. Maya offers to go with her and she is fully going now, but with how you have with all the things going on on, on our little campus with the George Floyd, the Floyd murders that have everybody in the house all shook. All the police run-ins that have them all on edge. All the sexism that have the people saying that maybe this white woman gonna be in charge. It just ain't the time to leave. It's unfortunate, but Karina understands that she appreciates the fact that Maya was ready to go with her and even offered it in the first place. So she's going by herself. I don't know how long you lose Karina for, which is very saddening. And I like how Maya brought in a therapist for everyone to, you know, have their feelings and say what they want to say. Hey, even if you don't know what you're doing, at the very least, you could do something. And she did her best, which actually did help everyone in a different way. Everyone was helping a different way. What else? So Emmett's dad's on screen. He bent the knee. I wanted to knock him off his knee. I was like, get up. I was like, get up. And your fakeness, get up, you faker. Get up. Ooh, you run me hard. I was like, Mella, turn off that TV. Like, I can't. Like, I cannot. I mean, the marching, and I like how Maya also allowed everyone to come off shit to go to the march. And they say you must behave accordingly, but we could all go. Because it's not strictly said that we can't, but because they work with the police, it was a question mark. And then it was like, you need to show support. This is what you believe in. I mean, if the cops support this as much as they say they do, y'all go, go and help them. Shouldn't make such a big problem. And Maya got some realization from um, Karina when she was talking about two things. I think she was saying that when she was doing the therapist, she was like, you did something. And that's better than most people. And then how she explained how they keep using that analogy with um, the one bad apple. And then she says she looked up the entire thing. And then it says one bad apple ruins the entire bunch. Meaning that you may have small amounts of bad apples, but they make it all y'all look like shit. 
so guess what all y'all what they saying is all y'all so-called good cops why aren't y'all stepping out why y'all ain't pointing fingers why y'all ain't saying this is wrong and we don't believe in this nonsense why y'all ain't going into ia y'all rat squad if you want to keep this eternal, why y'all ain't dropping names in a box and sending it to the post office if you want to be undercover? It's not like you have to be public about it, but you could actually do something about it. You don't have to do nothing. That is not an actual choice anymore. Doing nothing is even worse than doing something wrong now. Because they feel like... You're doing something wrong. At least you wanted to do something. At least you did something. But for all people who decided that, oh, I know nothing. I can stay in my ignorance and bliss. Oh, once you reach to your doorstep, you ain't gonna like it. Because it's always reached to your doorstep in a very awful and horrific way. I always think that this ain't my problem until it show up on your door and it slap you in the face. You're like, yeah, bitch, I see your problem too. And I like how every time Maya was calling Karina and Karina just gave instant support on the phone say you're beautiful, you did your best, I love you, you are amazing, you are the best captain in the world, women rule, gal power, and I was like, yes, I love Karina, I gotta miss you so much when you leave. <sighs> Maybe, I can't, I wonder how long she could leave for, how many episodes? Like, come back, Karina, come back. Why don't want my girl to leave? So I wonder how long is Grey's Anatomy going to keep up the corona thing? Are they going to keep it up with the day-to-day corona? Or are they going to end this one? I'm curious. I don't mind either way because I think they're doing a great job. They should 19 and Grey's Anatomy. So the George, I think the, um, the Floyd and the Tamika episodes are coming out with all the CW and ABC shows. Maybe like this would have probably had even more impact when it was closer to the actual time, but because of delayed and timing because of Corona, we all understand. But I think the episodes hit just as hard. I think so anyway. And we have Okay, we have a bunch of race bombs and race truths just getting dropped. And I like how they showed them watching the Floyd video, I mean, like, it was, it was bad, it was real bad, I mean, everybody watch, ooh, ah, frustration, the anger, the sadness, the disappointment, so many things, okay, so then we'll talk about each of everyone's little, um, how you say, therapy sessions that they had with a therapist on, on call. So, let's see. Uh, so we have the one, I'm, I don't know if I have this in order, but Travis was um, the first one I wrote here. And he was apparently talking about all of the Asian racism that his family and other people in his community were going through. Because apparently his mom got shouted at and spit on in the food store because they thought they was bringing the Wuxiang Wang flu. I was like, Mara, sir. I was talking about this on another episode where they'd be like, like, 
you can't win i like how my girl said it there is no race to oppression each race and each colored race in this us of a has a different problem in racism that each of them deal with the latinx community the asian community the black community the indian community the what uh, what's the proper name for them uh, Western Eastern community? I don't know if I have that right. But them too, they all go through different kinds of racism that are all just as horrific and terrible at different times in the... At different times in the year. I think I remember learning about how the Chinese or... I can't remember if it was any Asians that were um, very... Each race has a dark history with white people inside your U.S. history. It's very awful, really. Uh, one of the one of the cop shows I watched was actually talking about how we celebrate Thanksgiving and we all think it's about how Indians and white people just sat down at a table and be like, let them eat cake, when in actuality... It was a damn race war and it was a fucking extermination of an entire race, basically. Be like, all y'all? Genocide shit. Be like, okay then, so that's what's going on now. They had an entire genocide of certain people. I mean, like, I think there was an entire genocide of Chinese people as well. I remember that in one of y'all histories. I can't remember what it was. I mean, black people was experimented on for y'all to get vaccines and Chinese people were exploited for their work labor, left in poor conditions to probably die on the side. I think they were used in experimentations as well. I can't remember which one, but I remember that it was the case. Like, as I mean, the U.S. of A. is supposed to be the country of immigrants, but honestly. No matter what skin type you is, you ain't safe. If you're white, you may be privileged in most facts. But there are the people who will just hate you because of your privilege. You got them white supremacy groups. Then you have the black people getting killed in the street by cops. You have the Asian communities getting made fun of and spat on and taken advantage of. And looked up and down upon just because of their race, getting stereotyped. You have the Latinx community getting all mixed up on which Spanish it is, stereotyping, sexism, all of that. Western communities being be, be like, oh, you gonna blow up something, aren't you? You can't win the oppression race, my girl say. You all go through different kinds, and none is more important than the other, and none overshadows the other. The reason that one is more publicized than the other is basically in the media. And maybe, sometimes, black people are louder. Sometimes. Not all the time. Because I have seen other communities when they are very loud. Like, for Pride Days, that community is very loud. LGBTQ+. They are very loud when it comes to their rights. Black people are very loud when it comes to their rights. That doesn't mean that they should be overshadowing other communities in their strife. 
it doesn't come to the forefront. I mean, like this Corona time, I mean, don't you think that the Asian communities should have some more media coverage and all the crap that they go through? I mean, we see it on TV shows, so it's acknowledged, but you don't really see it on real media, as in like news channels and reporters and articles and shit. Like, with this coronavirus, everybody thinking it's the Asian flu. And they just blame them for everything. Run them over, knock them up, beat them up, throw spit on them, rape, etc. Be like, this is the perfect reason to let all my frustrations out on a race that I hate, which also makes me hate myself for unknown reasons, is basically what I'm saying. I mean, like, damn. I like how Travis Putter be like, doesn't their problem seem more significant? I mean, like, we're getting treated terribly, but we're not dying by the dozens and thousands like they are. And then she was, I like how she responded. Be like, there's no race to oppression. None overshadows the other. You're going through different things. You're going through awful things, and they're all just as hard and just as horrible. Don't dampen your pain for other people's. Share it. Who knows, maybe hearing about someone else's struggles could actually help them. Misery loves company. Uh, I mean, like, he even said, like, a two-year-old and a six-year-old kid died in a food store. If that was actually, like, a foreshadow to actually real news, I saw that nowhere. I don't even think I saw that on none of my feeds. You know something wrong there. Yeah? And some black lives, it's just like how even within communities, some deaths seem to overshadow others. Like, you hear all about George Floyd, but you don't see much of the other ones, like Tamika. You're like, I just saw an episode of All American where they celebrated Tamika, and they were saying how black women actually get less coverage with these black cop shootings than black men. Which is awful, really. There should be more coverage. You killed an unarmed woman. You could say a man could fight back. But we know very well that that ain't the case. But you could say that. But for a woman, an unarmed woman. Mind you, some woman could kick some of y'all man ass. But still, an unarmed woman. It doesn't sound nice. It doesn't look nice. That should get more coverage. They should feel even more ashamed. I mean, why the media ain't eating that up? They could probably sell that as gold. I know they could stir up trouble with that. But apparently it's just an ignored community within their own community and outside. So, you gotta be ignoring each other's pain. You gotta support everybody. All the other colored races. All the other mini <sighs> stereotypes and sexisms inside your own community. Like, you gotta do it. I mean, they talked about some Asian racism in a million little things as well. And like, how my shoes cover what? I don't know. Because I, apparently I can't hear it from nobody else. Alright, let's see. What's next? Okay, and then they were after talking about how black men aren't allowed to have emotions. That's kind of something with Sully is going through. Andy's husband, that's what I call him. That's what he's going through. He's having a problem showing his emotions. If he should show his emotions, they're not allowed to show their emotions in certain settings. They're not. 
It's like they'll come off as wrong and they'll be taken as wrong and very bad outcomes could come about. Hold on a second. I'll be right back. I'll be taking a commercial break. All right, I'm back. Let's get back to it. Um, let's see. Oh, so he been like Selkie sucking in his feelings all day. You can see the frustration written all over Sully's face. He's like, I shouldn't be talking. Why well, have to talk? I can't talk. All type of emotions just kind of rushing over his face. If he should I or should I not go and do this? And then uh, you know, stereotypical thing. Black people don't need therapists too. Then we have Ben. He's not doing very well. He's very scared for his sons. He just had to talk with them. I thought they'd had the dog long time, but he just had to talk with them. I think that was a little late, but anyway. Um, he explained to them how to do the police and how, and he also has mixed feelings with Miller and his son. He'd be like, I want to be proud and I want to be able to do what Miller is doing, but then the practicality of it, that I should be able to get home to my wife and son is another situation, but I shouldn't have to do this. And then how he didn't even make a complaint with how he was on the road that time and the police pull him over. Oh, it was, uh, that was bad. I remember, and that was awful. And like, he's sad and frustrated. He between two emotions right now. Like, he's trying to decide how he should go about this. Hold on. Okay, so... Let's see. Yeah, Ben has jealousy of feelings because he couldn't do what he wants to do. He's proud of his sons for standing up to the police, but scared and mad at them because it could have been a fatal mistake where they could have ended up dead. Like, you do everything you can to come home, but you shouldn't have to do it. Be like, it's not your, it's your responsibility to make them feel comfortable. They're supposed to serve and protect you. Don't know how to do their damn jobs. <sighs> well, and then his prognosis was being black in America is a fatal disease. It's unfortunate, but it is the truth. And this is mixing emotion, being proud of the fact that his son could set up to the police for being scared as AF because of the fact that you could have been dead on the road. And then being mad at himself for not supporting Miller entirely and jealous of him at the same time because he couldn't do it when he had his run-in with the police either. Mix of emotions. Be like, in these kind of times, I should be able, but I know the practicality of it and the likelihood of me not getting home depends on how I act. I want to be bold and proud about my blackness, but it is a fatal disease. And then we have Andy with her going through her microaggressions and the fact that she passes for white helps her a lot and she kind of feels guilty about it. And then the therapist had to tell her that, do you want me to tell you the truth or do you want me to make you comfortable? Because I can't do that anymore because that is one of the reasons. Me trying to make you comfortable 
isn't helping you and it isn't helping me. It isn't helping the cause. Everyone needs to be uncomfortable or make themselves comfortable in their own space. And he realizes that that she just kind of woke up. She always knew these things happened, but all of a sudden, since she's married to a black man, it's kind of the forefront. Why did it take her so long to wake up? She was actually mad at some people. Well, all of a sudden, they just noticed certain things, and she's wondering why she's one of them. Why did it take this for me to wake up? And then... That's what the white people say too when they call in all their black friends and mean like, you okay? Are you okay? Be like, I always knew that this was around, but I just woke up to it. Be like, be like, you're asking, and it was kind of a conversation when she was talking to Vic too. You're calling me and asking if I okay? Are you okay? I always knew this was a possibility. You're the one that just realized that this happened all the time. I got old Vic and I had a little laugh about that. And Andy talks about how the all, not all cops are bad in the one bad apple situation. And and my girl explained it in the best way she could. Be like, it's not a one bad apple. One bad apple ruins the entire bunch, like Karina says. And if these are so-called good cops, like how you say, and you grew up with them, and they're good people, and they knew you, would their brothers in arms, if they don't know you, if they pull you over with your husband in the car, what would you do? Or would one of your friends pull your husband over? What would you do? One of your so-called cop friends did this. Like, you never know until it's right in front of you. That's, um, you always knew about the racism in your community, but you don't, you always generalize the ones and others. Nice moment of silence. Let's go back to it. Then we have. Uh, oh, yeah, we talk about how instinct was the comfort, and she like that I ain't doing none of seen no more good. And then Maya was into the political side of it, be like, yeah, for I have to be above reproach. This is my time. I'm supposed to be following this track, but doing some of these things will take me off this track. And that's also why some of the so-called good cops aren't stepping forward. That would take them off their track. And even the ones that are already on their track and in the best position, they are afraid of losing their position. Because, I mean, as much as people say get into the system, get to the top, and then make change, even when you get to the top, you're still afraid to make change. Because it's very, what they say is easy to get there, but it's hard to stay there. And it's a long way down. It's understandable, but it's not commendable or excusable. And Maya just realized that as well, so that's why she allowed them to go on the march. And she brought in the therapist in the first place. Um, what else? Ah, uh, Vic's going through the thing with sadness and being terribly mad and the white guilt of her friends checking in on her and her reversing it back at them being like, I always know this was a story. 
<laughs> I got I was laughing when that happened. <laughs> Both of them were, but yeah. And then they was like and then she was like she was needed a backup plan because she keep picturing herself throwing a rock or a brick through the police door or window. Uh, front desk, whatever it's called. She keep imagining herself doing it, so she need like one second degree to be able to do it. So she like she couple credits short of her bachelor, and she stopped because they had a fire and she lost her favorite teacher and her grandmother died, so, and she found a new calling. But she have a backup plan now, psychologist. I think Vic would be good at it. And then we have. And then she's talking about, why do you need to humanize this person? Why do you need to make them look better? Why do you need a certain picture for it? Why do you need to know about their life, their family, their accomplishments, their name? This person was naturally a human being. Why do you need to humanize them? That makes no sense. It's they're already a person. Feel sad about the entire thing because they're a person. Because they're alive. They have blood. God bless them on this earth. They were born through natural means. Between their mother and their father, they came out and they opened their eyes and this was the world. They came into it. They are a human being. They know other species. Why do they need to be humanized? That is redundant. They are already human. I like that. I didn't even notice that. I was like, why does why do we have to do that? I mean, I understand how you could demonize someone, like when they make them tell them all about their worst characteristics, the worst things they've done, and put up the most terrible picture, but why humanize? They're already human. Can't change that, much as you want to. You could see them as a monster, but that's not them. They are a human being. And like, I always, really, uh, I mean, most crazy people or even colored people. Those crazy ass people who be like those ninja geniuses that just walk the roofs and be killing like thousands and hundreds of people at a time. These usually be, you know, damn white psychos. Or sociopaths. Anyway. Anyway, so we have Jack being apprehensive to even speak. He doesn't know what to say. He agrees. He also agrees with that bad apple thing. Not understanding his own country's analogy with that one. And then he believes that some of the cops aren't bad. And then he believes that what can we do to actually do something to change? What can I say that won't get me seeming racist? And then when he says that I'm not racist, be like, dude. That's like someone's, that's like one white person saying, I'm not racist, I have black friends. Well, I'm not racist, I have white friends. I can't say that, you can't say that. I'm my last time, nurse, I don't make no damn sense. But I need an example of how many of other racist friends you have for me to tell me that you ain't racist. That has no correlation or stipulation to the fact that you ain't racist. You can be racist against your friends. If I talk to them and they tell me that you ain't racist, maybe, but I doubt it. Hold on. I mean, that'd be real funny now that I think about it. If these white folks be like, I ain't racist, I have black friends, and we talk to your black friends, and they tell me you racist, I'm the cop up. Be like, well, what you have to say to that? 
<laughs> anyway, yeah, just because you have many races around don't mean that you're racist. Your ignorance of other people's culture and the fact that racism is ingrained in American culture makes you automatic racist. Sorry. And like how she explained it, like it's much better to say something, get corrected, and then know better. Always get feedback on what you want. They already know you as a person. They know hate isn't in your heart, but that's not enough these days. They need more than that. So you say, you say something wrong, you get corrected. You just try. You put your voice in there. You move forward. Very nice. Like as simple as like think about think back on your childhood like you are a very privileged person you're white and you're male and when you think about your life and i know you had a hard life but compared to the likelihood of you still being alive if you were of another race is very not likely your mortality rate would very much rise i mean like when he had that flashback with him running from the cops on many occasions and his black friends behind him, like, they looking like lives about to end and him just looking like he just don't want to get catch. They're like, yeah. Yeah. He like the differences. He like, they probably thought that they were going to die at any minute now. He went out and he just never feared that. And the fact that 13% of y'all population is black and 34% of y'all jail population is black makes no damn sense. <sighs> None. I guess they could do the same thing what they're trying to do with the police system. And rookie, they put forward this theory of making all the police reapply for their job and succession. Be like, do like, I don't know, like 20 police at a time at certain times of the year. And yes, let them reapply and they keep doing it until you get all the way through all the belief systems in the United States. And you also probably have to come up with a test that is community friendly and police friendly. So they probably have to come together and agree on how, you know, with the cops that they need to apply need. And the fact that hopefully cops restrictions have improved since back in the day because then we just get the same old damn cops i mean they could do that with the judicial system for jail be like for all uh redo all their cases i mean like that would be like a lot and they probably have to assign a special division just to do that and they'd have to give them proper funding give them entire building like redo all of the cases step by step give them all its proper time and analysis on people and see how much people of color actually walk free and you can't judge them for this nonsense of course it's government paid they probably actually end up suing you if plenty of people leave why because that means that they was in there and they didn't need to be and I mean due process. I mean, don't be letting dangerous people out on the streets now. But be letting them innocent people who y'all just have lock up and lock up in there because they ain't got nothing else to do go. Then you got people who want to be in jail because it's better to be in jail than be out on the outside. That's a different case. I think they could do the same thing. That's a nice theory. Let all the cops reapply for their jobs with different criteria. Let all the cases that all the people that are in jail redo their cases by fresh faced people not people who have a thousand cases each or rather 
give them all the time to do it. I don't know, like, they'd have to, like, work out the tiny details, like, give each case a certain amount of time, or give, um, each squad of people a certain amount of people so it doesn't take long for the case to run through. You know what I mean? They can, they can establish a whole division on that. And they get a whole bunch of jobs, too. What else? We have... The kid makes mistakes, dies in prison. Okay. Okay, Miller cries. In secret comfort. He doesn't talk, but he cries. He just goes in there... Kind of lets it all loose and all the pain and all the awfulness. Then he gathers himself together. They have a nod head before and after, and then they leave. Mutual understanding of the weight that was on him that he just needed to let loose for a second. And she didn't pry him for anything. That's very nice. And we have Sully's author conversation that happened as she was leaving when he was taking care of the truck. And then he was talking about how it has changed, like the world has gotten better. Like it like I said before, it's gotten better, but it's still not the best. Like it's much better than what it was in the sixties and the nineties and the fifties and so forth, but it's still not the best. Yeah. And then, you know, he talks about how an unarmed man was just shot and killed and the breath was just squeezed out of his lung. He was defenseless. He was looking for help. He was sick. And then like Leota, that being him one of these days, not being able to come home to his wife and all the frustrations and feelings he has that he can't share with his wife and he doesn't want to explain to his wife. The patience he denies himself and the emotions he denies himself saying how much he's tired and mad and sad and scared and nothing can be done about it well, nothing that'll put well, nothing that'll make quick changes anyway he goes on a march and yes that'll help but it won't do as much as it should at the very least it will gather supporters and that's where they end up going on the march that's the end of the Station 19 segment. You're like, that was a lot. Like, I'm telling y'all, that was a mess. Whew. Okay, I think I'm gonna have to put this all under one umbrella, but then, like, put this all under one thing. Um, y'all will see what I mean when I finish. Anyway, thanks for listening. Like, it's a lot. Like, it was a lot. I don't know how y'all deal with that shit over there. Being my color of skin could get me killed. Being my um, gender could get me shot down and raped. Like, y'all country scary AF. Ah, fatal disease. And all the other races ain't safe either. They got their own down problems to deal with. That are not at the forefront and not publicized, but they're there. They don't not exist. They can't, they shouldn't be ignored them some equal time. I'll give them some separate networks. I mean, it's not great, but it's better than nothing. I mean, like, these episodes was emotionally draining, I'm telling you. 
like the truth bombs and the awfulness and the realness that was just coming out this episode was 100 percent I don't think anyone got on my nerves this episode besides Travis's father. Yeah, I don't think anyone did. They like how they had that episode just gone by with the newlyweds. And apparently these newlyweds be like, they were so cutesy when they was doing the thing. When I like how Karina took over the corona testing. I was like, my girl's boss, boss, fish in charge. I was like, yes. And I like how they delivered a baby. It was very cute. And the guy almost died, but they got him back. Growing up without a dad really sucks. Then, who else? And then with the couple, I like how when she was about to die, it's like he was bedazzled with her. And then as soon as things got real and her true color shone, it was like the spell was broken. I like... It was off. Like, I go on be like, I got no. I always thought that your selfishness and awfulness was cute before, but not anymore. I almost freaking died, bitch. No. Like, oh no, meant quick, fast, and in a hurry, please. I was like, okay, that. I was like, okay, that. Oh, I got. Oh, I got. Uh, let me just check to make sure I missed nothing else. Oh, I just couldn't. Oh, that was so funny. Yeah, I didn't know that for... Oh, see some more here. Okay, so... I was talking about the Italy thing, yeah, and... Robert tried to be on... Tried to go up the ranks by trying to snitch on Mila, realizing that that wasn't going to help himself, that wasn't going to help his people, that wasn't going to help his cause. That wasn't going to help nothing. That was just going to make him feel like shit afterwards. Then he realized in the humblingness of being downgraded to this position and he needs to be able to accept it and move forward and do his job and go up the ladder the right way again. So he is old god, he needs to get up with the times so he could be a new god. So he wants to blow up the damn system. And then how Tingham father just came not Travis. Ed, no not Eddie. Uh, Emmett's father came and oh my god I was like he got on my nerves up so I was like why are you here your existence is useless go away all you do is antagonize us like the most go away you're not wanted nor needed leave the fact that you're still even in business at all makes me want to crap all over your parade get lost you make a oh she he expressed himself to Andy and Confessed his sins and be like, I ain't doing that shit. Oh, Martha, that's what the name was. That was Martha, my boo. Oh, I already talked about Martha and her loveliness and her ungrateful ass of a son who I did not like either. He got on my last nerves as well. Travis's dad got on my last damn nerves too. I think that was it. Yeah, I think I talked about everything. Oh, look at me. I think I got everything. All right, then. Thank you guys for listening to my Station 19 after show. This is part one. I'll do part two for Grey's Anatomy in a second. So, bye. Welcome to the Grey's Anatomy part two of this episode. Da, 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 da. We are going to have to talk about people. We missed a lot of stuff. Like, we did.
Okay, next we have okay, so we have baby fever. So we have a new guy watching his kids or talking to Joe and she's bonding with Hayes and the pediatrics department. She's finally gonna get up the nerve to talk to Bailey to be like, I need to change specialties and Bailey was not about it because she likes to move from doctors and Meredith still ain't in the case and Meredith and Richard already know and they're fine with it, but really just wasn't about it right now. But by the end of the episode, to realize how awful this was and that you can't force someone to do something that doesn't bring them actual joy anymore, especially with that patient we had, who she gave up her, I think it was banking or accounting job, to do make some homemade jams and pumpernickel and at home and sell them, which was very successful business, by the way. And she's happy, and she was having fun, and she was an activist, and she was doing her best. She was on the Martha Luther King walk. She was doing everything, and she was enjoying her life. I think I'm mixing up two patients. But one was an activist, and they were doing everything. I think that was the one that opened Avery's eyes to why he doesn't have scars, not realizing that his mother has scars. He, She did all the stuff that that lady did, and she did more. You can't be saying that that's just all. And then, which Catherine took a defensive tone, what was understandable. But he's wondering why he never got them, and now he's gonna go get them. And he was about to go off and go to the march, and then Richard was like, You can march tomorrow. I mean, like, black man marching at nights. We don't need something else to watch in the papers about, please. I remember if Avery still went off and did it, but at least Richard said something. And then with the other lady, this is the one that gave Bailey the realization of, you know, doing something that they love. Don't waste your time grinding away at a job that you hate. Alright. Next we have... Maggie wants more time with her boo after they got proposed to and married, yes. <laughs> ain't it grand, people? Ain't it grand? Like, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Oh, that was so nice. It was. Oh, anyway, what next we have? We have... One second. Okay. Um. So this episode, we got Lexi and Sloan. I was like, we got all. Oh, we got McSteamy and we get McDreamy and we get Sister Dearest. All oh, shoots. All oh, shoots. Oh, um. Before I get into that love, because Maggie was kind of up on hills because you know with the times that they in and Floyd murder and the march and the police being on guard and um, Winston kind of driving all the way down from where he is to Maggie's on this kind of temperature road my girl was scared and when he got pulled over by the police apparently they tore his vehicle apart looking for no drugs jackass my boy is a drug dealer. He's down a fucking doctor. Got all credentials and yards. 
And unfortunately, my boy had to turn off the phone. I was like, oh. So next time, like, when the police pull you over, like, you need to have, like, an installed camera in your car and make sure nobody can notice it. You can't do it like that. So if you end up dead on that scene, have that thing automatically send it to your family. And if it ain't, have it automatically sent to your phone. Either which way, you need to automatic. You need to have a camera. Like black people need to have a camera installed on all their windows, so they can see what these police jackass doing. And then have an automatic system where it's uploaded somewhere. <sighs> it's sent to someone else. That way, even if the person who you send it to decide to be all crappy about it, it's still uploaded somewhere else. I don't know, upload it on your podcast or your feed or your YouTube channel. But upload the damn thing. Install tiny cameras on your vehicles. Like, now. Your lives are in danger. That's what Vincent should have put Maggie on. What you say? Mute. So she could at least stay on the line the entire time. That was scary. I mean, like, that was scary. I mean, my boy was all upset and up in his feelings. And then they had to just hold each other. Ooh, that was awesome. My boy Vincent, I wanted to have him too. So, they have Lexi and here, Sloan. And they're working together to get Meredith to improve and improve on her own. She needs to want to go back. So... Just breathe, oh breathe, just breathe, oh breathe, just breathe, oh breathe, just breathe. As I Lexi and Slots on. <laughs> and they're here. Oh, Lexi, we miss you so damn much, girl. We love you. We miss you so very much. So and then we have those who are trying to convince my girl. All episodes, you know, do what you have to do. We have Amelia and Teddy having a cute afternoon with the kids. It was very nice. They were having a very cute afternoon. They were talking. They were sharing. She was telling her about her struggles. She was telling her about hers. It was a very nice time. It was very nice. I much appreciated this nice time that they decided to have, you know? Mm-hmm. And then we... What else? We have the... Mother-daughter coronavirus on her birthday situation. Apparently that just got to Owen. He broke down in the hallway on the phone with the people giving the news. That was a professional. Or that wasn't right. Because that made me them feel better because you cared that much about whoever there was. Or it made, made them feel bad for the fact that I lost someone important. Can't you suck it up? And then... Amelia talks to Ellis. Oh, Sloan is saying how you may 
this may be a beautiful place. You may get to do some awesome things, but I kind of wonder, and now that I think about it, how come we didn't see Meredith's mother throughout all these flashbacks? Now that I think about it. Did the actress die? I mean, that could have been a nice opportunity. You could have seen Miss Miss Gray. Oh, then we have Owen venting. And I like how Christina was talking to him about Meredith's kale. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Oh, my girl's my girl seriously ain't gonna show up not once. Oh, come on, man. I know my girl needs to show up at least once. Just once. <sighs> I know she say that she ain't sure whatever. Coming back to his anatomy, man. Yeah, my foot episode, man. Just an episode. And we have... Someone saying that you're missing the best and worst parts of life. And then you miss being the fact to put some put something out there. Like if you see them going down a wrong path or you know they're doing something because of something else or, you know, like how someone was about the divorce. He saw that coming and he wanted to say something to them so very badly. He wanted to talk to his daughter on lots of occasions. Be like, sometimes they hear me, sometimes they don't. They think that it's their own idea when they hear me, though. <laughs> yeah, very nice. I like how he explained it. The best and the worst parts of life come together in a package deal. You may be tired, but you'll miss the best parts of life just as much as the worst. And you may, and you may just want to take the worst just to get to the best. What else? We have... Smith's and his false rap situation. I was like, okay, and I like how Smith and Boy Toy finally get in the nerve to be more than just friends. And he ready to have a commitment, but Smith is the one now freaking himself out. He'd be like, I don't want to go down this path again. Like, I already restricted my feelings with you. I don't want to go through this again. Be like, Nico, why are you making my boy jump all over the place with his feelings? I need you to be straightforward. Like, what you want? Like, what do you want, Nico? So, I don't know exactly how this could happen between Smith and Nico. And I like how my boy explained how he is going through all of his operation with Meredith Grey in his ear the entire time. It was very nice. I really liked it. Like, oh that's so nice, Dredd. I liked that. I really liked that. Oh, anyway. I mean, like, Meredith Grey was in his ears. I mean, like, that was so legit. I was like, okay, then. I was like, okay, then. Okay, then. What else? Um, hmm. Okay, so, like, as he was going through all of his operations, J.M. Meredith kind of guided him throughout the entire thing, telling Smith to calm down, relax, do this, do that, asking him questions of what should come next, what comes before. I was very proud. So, you know, that's another Meredith great teaching. Like, look at that. Brilliance. <sighs> Smith is a full-blown doctor. Okay, then we have... Alright, it's a doctor's it's a doctor's job to be the best of their ability as at all time for their patients. And to keep their mental state very much up or to give them ideas to do it themselves. 
like how the Hayes family already knew about Meredith and their little crush, crush, cute, cute. Not right, Dad. Nah. Oh, and I like how, I like how the moment she had with Derek too, the ending moment. Like she was like, "You can stay with me, but I think our children need you. They all need you, Meredith. A lot of people are there waiting for you. you need to go back. It's not your time. I'll always be here waiting." Go enjoy the rest of your life. Go grow up our kids. Have a wonderful life, Meredith. Don't be lonely. Have fun. Stop being a martyr. Have an amazing life with our kids, Meredith. I love you all. See, Derek is breaking my heart. Like, he really does. I see you in forever and you still break my heart into pieces. And like how Karasik was um, deeply moved by Meredith's situation. He couldn't actually go inside the room. And then he was freaking about the post complications that is be happening. And be like, yeah, you know, complications. Boom. Like the heart defects, the lung defects, the cancer that could come about. All those days could happen because you got, you went through Corona. You came out the other side worse than before, unfortunately. And the Hayes family went through a little something. Because they're a little mixed blood about the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, like, he had to explain to their kids, like, how it's not safe out there for them. But he also wants them to go out there and experience their life. To stand up for their cause. To be proud of who they are. It was a double-edged side. So he went out there with them, and he got caught. So he got bust up in the, in the head, all bloody and everything. Throw in, I mean, like, really? You throw tear gas? You launched tear gas into a crowd. What if that hit a kid? Huh? Really? You launched it? Hmm. So much of a peaceful protest. I don't think they actually have good de-escalation tactics, the police. I mean, like, there wouldn't be so many damn casualties from your dis-escalation if they were actually for dis-escalation. Oh, this word tripping me up. They can't be. Why is a tear gas in someone's gut? Why does this man protect his kids and have a bus upside his head? The most you're supposed to be using on these things is shields. You're supposed to be doing nothing else? You know what I mean? Launching things in the crowds or above crowds so it lands somewhere you don't know about? See, whoever launched that thing in that woman, that's attempted fucking murder. Help you arrest that damn man. Health. Mm. Let's see. Um, Joe's spacing out on her recommendations and her downgrade from being head attendant. I don't know, fourth year maybe she is. To going down to first year with Smith. Pediatrics, but if she goes to Bailey and get a recommendation, 
it's very possibility that she wouldn't have to repeat all those years. Hmm. I guess we'll see. Funny that she went into Alex's field. Nothing to do with Alex, but still. Irony, maybe. Um, okay, so we have Meredith's up. She's finally up. And who got her up? It was Zola. Zola came there and told her all about her life. And she separated from her husband, said her final goodbyes. And she was like, hi, Zozo. He's so cute. He's like, mommy, you're awake. He's like, yes, Zozo, yes. <laughs> I like how Amelia was a little skeptic about the vacuum. Bringing the guy girl, he had to do this. Uh, Maggie was too. Be like, don't put that pressure on her. Be like, but she'd much rather try and see what happens and not try at all and regret it. The kid's smart. She'd rather be smarter than everybody. I mean, like, my girl look like a damn brain surgeon at whatever age she is. Tiny Derek. Who else? We have. Hmm. Uh, we don't have Derek asking about his sister to Amelia being like, yeah, she's doing a lot better. <laughs> and they laugh at her about it. We have. We still don't have a. We, I wonder if we ever get a clear up on who um, Scout's father is. And I like how they kind of went into marriage for Amelia and think how when they had their little break when the in laws came and took all the kids and they had like at least a whole day for themselves, but they ended up just going through feelings and they didn't get to do none of the dirty dancing part. But that was good too. And I'm pretty sure their feelings were exhausted as well. They'd be like, I can finally express feelings without, you know, worrying about the kids asking me what's wrong. So she, as soon as she left, the guy was about to head upstairs, but unfortunately. And then he was like, well, nobody in the house. We don't even have to go upstairs. They're like, all right, then. And all of a sudden, you know, stairs just start rolling out. Like, emotions dropping. And Link thought it was because her mother answered the fact that this my future daughter-in-law and you weren't married yet. And then my boy's about to bruise. And he's like, no, 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 get up, get up, get up. And he's like, yes, 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 don't. Oh, you funny. <laughs> you think that's so don't kill me now. I'd be like, okay, okay, okay. I, I think I get it. Okay, calm down, Mia. Calm down. And you're like, okay. So clearly you're upset, right? Yes, I am upset. Get up. Be like, all right. So and then we have what else? We have. I mean, we finally get to the end when she was like, oh my, I wouldn't mind being your wife in the future. Not now, but. I probably wouldn't mind a proper proposal because I mean he tried again. My girl was like, "Get up! No, no, get up!" Again, it was really funny. They had a nice day. Link and Amelia—they're perfect for each other. I love them. They're a perfect mess, and I like how she explained her addiction and how she's been wanting to do something but she can't. And then Link was like, "Okay, I need you to not ever do that. Give us some rules and some stipulations. I can't. No, you can't do it." And, you know, they agreed on things that they shouldn't do. She shouldn't take anything. He wouldn't shut himself out in emotions, you know, get sick and die. She wouldn't get on addiction and run away. It's all good. And we have, what else? Hmm. Avery went through a little midlife crisis with the fact that he didn't have no scars. And when he went on that march to go being a real activist wondering why he's just waking up to all this and how he's going to make real change and kind of went off for a while and then he got some more insight 
about how apparently he was affecting a program about how he was putting up corona patients what he was um, paying full price when you know they're throwing out other people who are playing a half price and discount price because they're sending more people there you know a big billionaire just throwing money and be like I always thought that money was the only thing that this country actually understands. Conversation, not so much. So he kind of got with this, the intern, the new intern that came in that was kind of was a social worker. And they kind of came up with ways for him to use his money properly and not affect other um, helping institutions along the way. He can develop his own. He can help ones that are already there, put his money to good use. It's a, you know, it's just throwing money on a problem as a band-aid, but putting money in the right places, developing certain revenues and trust and people and communities and programs, that could be a long-run situation. What else? Um, let's see. Meredith wants to stay. Derek agrees. You can stay, but I don't think you'll want to by the end of this. You're like, you're on the precipice, Meredith. You can fall off or you can soar. And we have already said Zola came in and made everything better. Teddy's therapy session is going very well. She tried to kiss Owen, but Owen, being the proper person that he was right now, pushed her away and be like, I am your friend and I will be here for you. None of that. Uh, let's see what else. They talk about, oh, I think the patient that I was talking about with the black woman and the strive for perfection and do it all, do everything at all times perfectly. Be like, and if you're not, it's laziness. That is not the case. You need some self-love. You need some vacation. You need some breaks. You need to be able to do what you love. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your life. Enjoy everything. So, Zola comes to Meredith. Bailey changes her mind. Joe's peds. I think that's it. Yeah. So then we have, what exactly? Hmm? Hmm? What we have? What we have? What do we have? Hmm? So I like that black woman quote, and it was mainly for Bailey. You're like, you need to calm down. This is your life. You need to be able to hang out with your husband. Be able to be an activist when you want. Do your doctor job. Have vacation days. Just like this woman who was doing it. But then when Erding just came crashing down on her, she just wanted to give it up. And Bailey was the one who was against it in the beginning. And then turned around by the end saying that, no, that's just a stereotype that keeps us stressed. And not enjoying our lives and our families. No. Do everything you can to enjoy your life. Make a living. You know? You don't have to do it all. It's impossible. And do it all to perfection? That's going to drive you mad. So Bailey decides to go on vacation, or at least put up some vacation days to go spend with her husband and kids. You know, take a break. Relax. Poor Bailey. She can take some time off. Get her head on straight. Very appreciative of it.
I think that's it for these. Yeah. So thank you for listening to my part two, Grease Nani episode. Like, I don't think anyone got on my nerves. I mean, a lot of people I liked. My Sloan, my Lexi, my Derek, my Joe Smith. And the black woman activist and the black woman who was um, doing peanut griddle. I like them. Oh, and Zola too. My, my darling Zola, who brought Meredith back to us. So thank you for listening. This is the Queen of Regal. You can follow me at Tanisha Fujibayashi and the Queen of Regal on Twitter. So bye. Be safe during Corona, yeah? It ain't over yet. Oh, I forgot to say that Maggie actually talked to Zola a quick minute about what was going on in the news. I was wondering if that was ever going to happen. Like the Tamika and the Floyd. It looked like my girl wasn't taking it well, and she was trying to close off from it. We didn't get into a deep conversation, but at the very least, it was addressed.